0: The Providence Journal presents Pick and Pop, the college basketball podcast for Rhode Island and around the nation with your hosts, Kevin McNamara and Bill Koch.
1: Hello and welcome to the Providence Journal's Pick and Pop podcast. This is our postseason version, our first of at least one postseason versions. This is Kevin McNamara here in Providence with Bill Koch, who uh, is also here, but we're both headed out on the road really quickly of an impending snowstorm in the east that's going to uh, mess up everyone's travels across the uh, eastern seaboard in the next day or two. Uh, but Bill, welcome. A uh, beautiful day here in Providence, Rhode Island. It actually is a, a lovely one today. We tomorrow, have, maybe not so much. Tomorrow, maybe not so much. But Bill is headed down to the Atlantic 10 Championships at, in Washington, D.C. Uh, the Rhode Island Rams will open their defense of the A-10 tournament on uh, Friday at noontime Against uh, either the VCU Rams or the Dayton Flyers. In, in previous years, that's a championship game. Correct. But uh, we'll, we'll get to that in, in a few minutes. And uh, I'll be going to New York. Uh, Madison Square Garden will host the Big East Tournament once again. Providence will play Creighton on Thursday at 2.30 in the afternoon. So, Bill, that just means people now have excuses to jump out of work two days in a row this week. Thursday for the Friars and Friday for the Rams. Or if they happen to be stuck
0: inside in the snow, they have plenty of prime viewing later this week in terms of college basketball.
1: Well, I think the only issue is Wednesday uh, for the snowbound people, and uh, the ACC will be playing before nobody uh, because of the storm uh, at Barclays Center Brooklyn, on Wednesday yeah. afternoon.
0: You uh, Do you have a credential for that? Are you going to get over? I don't.
1: No? I don't. Um, Go see our good friend uh, Mike LaPrey in Boston College? Well, we'll see how things shake out. Yeah. But uh, I, I have a few things to do on Wednesday, like write stories for the Providence Journal. Oh, uh, well, And uh, that's going to trump watching a bad ACC game. Well, you could you could
0: do that, like, from a dinosaur barbecue a couple <clears throat> blocks from the Barclays Center, no? I hear hotels have TVs.
1: Yeah, they do. So, you that's know, true. I think you, I'll, I'll opt for that. Yeah, Where is your sense of adventure, Kevin? Come on. You know, I like snow. It doesn't bother me. It only bothers me when I can't get to where I need to be. Yeah it's true. And uh, hopefully that's not going to be the case in the next uh, 36 hours. No kidding. But uh, we have a little news off the top here. We're going to start with the Big East Awards, which were announced in the last day or two. Uh, The Big East first team honors went to Keelan Martin Butler, Marcus Foster Creighton, who Ed Cooley and the Friars will have to deal with. Uh, on no, Thursday Shamari Pons the high scoring guard from St. John's Villanova's Jalen Brunson and Macal Bridges and Trevon Blewett of Xavier uh, the Big East is uh, the second strongest conference in the country according to RPI and uh, maybe that's the reason why Angel Delgado of Seton Hall didn't even make first team and, and I'd say he's the only guy with a gripe um, Big East player of the year, coach of the year, all that good stuff won't be announced until Wednesday in New York. Uh, my guess is Kevin Willard might use that to, for a little ammunition with Angel and Desi Rodriguez was second team All-League as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Providence uh, did not have anyone on the first or second teams. Kyron Cartwright. Uh, got the honorable mention honors uh, If anyone remembers Last year Cartwright and Rodney Bullock Were second team So they're falling backwards instead of forwards Which is not what we're looking for And to be honest with you I, I thought the player who deserved some uh, Any mention from the Friars this year Would be Alpha Diallo I was going to ask you Kevin, if you you're just looking at that list if you felt like there were any snubs any surprises there the only snub would be again Delgado you know he's the best big guy in the league his team is good, uh, certainly as good as some of the other uh, guys who did make it the coaches vote in the Big East I know that's not. Necessarily the case with the A10, or is it, the uh, it media? is the
0: the the coaches vote in the A10. The media has no votes. Uh, but media gen- votes preseason. Yes, they do. But, but generally, we we want to make this clear to folks. When they say that coaches vote, that usually means that their sports information directors vote because a lot of these coaches are, are just too busy to watch a lot of these games. They're they're doing it for film study and for scouting purposes, and not necessarily looking at. The, the daily, weekly notes, knowing the stats, you know, whatever. They're, coaches are very sort of in a silo. It's, yeah. it's
1: sort of a, you know, one game by one game by one game preparation. Well, um, hopefully at least there's a three-and-a-half-minute conversation between the coach and SID. Uh, not ten minutes, but uh, just a little bit. You would hope so. Yeah, I, I know a lot of assistant coaches end up uh, filling this out as well because, in all honesty, some of the SIDs, nice guys. They don't know either. But let's not ask them about basketball. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, all-freshman team, uh, Nate Watson from Providence made the Big East all-freshman team. Mm. Uh, deserved. Uh, uh, shot over 60% from the field in Big East games. Clearly a star on the rise. I think, if anything, he hasn't uh, played enough. And maybe uh, maybe that'll change down the stretch here with the uh, with the Friars. Uh, flipping to Atlantic 10 awards. uh can we can we say these Atlantic 10 awards? I know they're embargoed for, for a little bit, but uh, this, this is this a podcast. podcast. This podcast will
0: come out after 1 p.m. today, which is after the embargo. Drew Dickerson, Shane Donaldson,
1: we followed the rules. We promise. Okay. Breaking news. There it is. Co-Players of the Year in the Atlantic 10, Peyton Aldridge of Davidson, Jalen Adams of St. Bonaventure, and that's it. Yes. And I'm surprised, but we'll, we'll get back to that in a moment. Sure. Defensive Player of the Year, Utah Watanabe of George Washington. Yes. And I'm surprised. Bigger surprise. We'll get back to that. Yes. Rookie of the Year is Kellen Grady of Davidson. I'm thrilled to see that. Uh, Massachusetts kid. That is no surprise. Yep. Co-improved Player of the Year, named in honor of Chris Daniels, uh, Luane Pipkins. Uh, by the way, I don't call him Luane. you got to call him by it's his nickname. Luan. Well, Luan, but... He, was he Juju Pipkins? He, no, no, he was no. something when he was recruited. He no, wasn't no. either one. I'm trying. No, no, to think. No, he was Luan. Well,
0: he was the uh, one. You, you, because of your football duties uh, this winter, you might be thinking of Juju Smith Schuster,
1: no, no, perhaps. No, no, that's not it. He definitely had a nickname a couple of years ago. But anyways, now he's now he's Luan, and uh, he shares the improved award with Ladarian Griffin of Saint Bonaventure. Good for them. Who's a good player? 6 man award is Terrence Smith of Duquesne, and the coach of the year is Dan Hurley of Rhode Island. Yes. They got that one right. They got that one right. Uh, I hope that was unanimous. Uh, uh, it I certainly tended, deserves to be. I tend to doubt it was. But uh, but, but right up on top, uh, I had Jared Terrell as a co-player of the year uh, with Jalen Adams. Uh, if they wanted to make it try players of the year, I'd even go for that. But but to not have uh, Jared Terrell, who led his team, he used the best player for Rhode Island this year. Rhode Island dominated the league and no love. Yeah, uh,
0: Dan Hurley on his radio show last week, he said his feeling was that the best team should get the player of the year. Um, you know, And in that case, his best player has been Jared Terrell. There's no question about it. Uh, for me, I would have voted for Jalen Adams. Uh, I think he was just a, a tick better in, in most of the categories, scoring, three-point shooting, assists, uh, steals. Um, you know, I felt like he was, might have nosed in front over the last nine or ten games. Uh, you know, But certainly, it was among those three. They had clearly separated from the rest of the field. Uh, to see
1: Aldridge and Adams split it without Terrell, I'm with you. That's a, a bit of a surprise. And you say even more of a surprise that the defensive player of the year was not uh, URI's Stan Robinson, uh, who did make all-defensive team. But uh, I think that's just laziness. I think most uh, either coaches or SIDs or assistant coaches say, oh, well... Watanabe blocks a lot of shots, so he must be the best defensive player in in the league. Well, open your eyes, right? Right. You've got to pay attention to this. You know,
0: Watanabe, uh, actually, Robinson wasn't even on the preseason all-defense team, which tells you all you need to know about where he was on folks' radar. Uh, You look at Rhode Island this year. They're the number one team in the conference in defensive efficiency. They're the number one team in the conference in turnover percentage. They're the number one team in the conference in defending the three. All three of those things have a lot to do with Stan Robinson, uh, who led them in steals, who drew north of 30 charges. He's forced 100 turnovers by the opponent. Uh, He's in the top 10 individually in the country in steal percentage per possession. He takes the ball away about 5% of opposing possessions while he's on the floor. Uh, you know, and URI is second in scoring defense in the league. There, there's just no way that you can pick a player mainly based on reputation and, and on previous production, whose team finished eighth in the league in defensive efficiency, tenth in turnover percentage. Uh, it, it's just it's a poor selection in
1: my mind. Okay, well let's keep going. We could do a whole podcast on, on how the Atlantic Ten messed up their awards. Well, we but can, we're gonna we can going to keep
0: going. We could skip over rookie of the year because if Kellen Grady wasn't an, uh, unanimous, then people weren't paying attention.
1: No. Nope, but I have a problem with the rookie list as well okay. So all conference, we uh, have Peyton Aldridge, Jalen Adams, Jared Terrell, Matt Mobley, Justin Tillman mm-hmm. Fine with that uh, Second team, we have, well we won't even say who we have because we have no one from Rhode Island And the third team, we have someone from Rhode Island and it's E.C. Matthews Happy to see that, not going to disagree with that at all that's 15 players and two from Rhode Island, and Jeff Doughton's name was not mentioned. I think that's wrong. And neither was Stan Robinson. Neither was Stan Robinson. also
0: a strong candidate there.
1: So, you know, I think you and I would have agreed that between Terrell, E.C., Doughton, and Stan Robinson, those three, of, three, if not four, of those guys belong in the top 15 in the league, and instead Rhode Island gets two of 15. I call that a capital S snub. Uh, it, it seems like there was a, a little bit of a trend here towards
0: inclusiveness. Uh, ah, inclusiveness. We love that. And in terms of postseason awards, uh, I think snobbery should reign, honestly. Uh, you've said this before, Kevin, on the podcast, and I agree with you. To the victors go the spoils. If you're the winning team, you finish first, second, or third, you should get the majority of these things. The reason that you finished first, second, or third is that you
1: had the best players. Period. End of story. Okay, I'm going to keep going. Now, I, I, I can't say that I've watched all of these teams multiple times, but I've seen them all at least once. The all rookie team. Mm -hmm. Kellen Grady. No question about it. No question. Jalen Crutcher of Dayton. I don't know who he is. Uh, Eric Williams Jr. of Duquesne. He's had a good year. Deserving. He's a good player. Grant Golden from Richmond. Deserving. Hassan French from St. Louis. Definitely. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I'm putting Fats Russell on that team somewhere.
0: It was a strong rookie group this year in the A10. Uh, the other names that I I might have expected to see were Fats Russell and Taylor Funk from St. Joe's. Yeah, uh, I think he's a, a, he's yeah. a good long-term prospect
1: yeah. uh, for the Hawks. Well, maybe they think if you're not even starting for your team, you can't be all rookie. F- <laughs> Fats Russell. First of all, it wouldn't shock me if he's the MVP of the Atlantic 10 tournament. I mean, I think he's that dynamic. If by chance he he plays enough minutes. But, you know, uh, I guess it's a stat-based thing. And, you know, you look at uh, Fats' points per game for the year, and they quickly write them off. But anyways, uh, those are the Atlantic 10... Uh, awards uh, have at it, Ram fans. I'm sure you won't be happy with it. It's a social media you know, buzz thing that I'm sure Dan Hurley will say doesn't really matter, but I think he might mention it to his squad. Uh, a couple other notes uh, on the A-10
0: awards, just last two. Uh, Jared Terrell is the first first-team player from Rhode Island postseason since Jimmy Barron in 2008-09. Uh, Dan Hurley is the first coach of the year from Rhode Island since Jim Barron that same year, 2008-09. That seems like a long time between uh, first-team players for the Rams.
1: So just to repeat that, Rhode Island's Jared Terrell is the first first team All-A-10 player in nine years? Nine years. So uh, again, put that in perspective, fans. Uh, uh Dan Hurley, and the last couple of years of Jim Barron uh, were without one of the best players in the league, according to the coaches anyways. And uh, maybe that explains a lot of things. But uh, mm. hopefully that's not the case going forward because if you don't have one of the five best players in your league, you're going to struggle a little bit or it's going to be a challenge. And uh, we'll see what it is going down the line here for Rhode Island. Um, now, we could do a three-hour-long podcast on bracketology and nitty-gritty and all that fun stuff. I, I threw a little bit of this in the journal today, in Tuesday's journal.
0: so I, I think I when you said three hours, I think I saw Bill Corey's eyes glaze over a little bit. Well, he would uh, leave. Sitting in you know, he
1: would leave. He, he, he's our master of the keyboard here. He would just set us up, go about his day, and then come back and rack us up. But uh, we're going we're gonna to try to keep it within 10 minutes or so. But uh, we can bracketologize for an awful lot about the Providence Friars, but w- we're going to hit URI a little bit. Okay. I, I think URI, from the moment... They got hot this year. I I had them as one of the toughest teams to seed Mm. in the tournament, and I think that's still going to be the the case. Uh, You know, I I do think Rhode Island is clearly the favorite to win the Atlantic 10 tournament this weekend in D.C. Uh, Just for argument's sake here, we're going to say that they do. So they have three more wins, which would be at least, hopefully, you know, I'd love to see them play St. Bonaventure at some point you know, stage, which could only be the finals. Yes. Uh, Actually, Bill, just break down the bracket a little bit. I do think it's awful odd that Rhode Island's going to play either VCU or Dayton, the two best programs in the league uh, for the last forever, uh, in their first game.
0: Well, in in either of those cases, you're playing a Dayton team who you beat twice this year and you humiliated on your home court, uh, you know, not two weeks ago. Uh, so the Flyers are going to have plenty of motivation. VCU, I expect to be playing home games in Washington. Uh, that yellow and black army is going to come down from Richmond, and they are going to draw in big numbers. Uh, they, they traditionally do. Uh, so I expect that that would be a difficult game as well. Uh, the semifinals you would play against St. Joe's would be the four seed, or George Mason would be the five seed. Again, St. Joe's just blew you off your home court on senior night. Uh, I consider that game an outlier, and I think URI would handle some St. Joe's if they happen to play them again. I think they'd have some motivation. Uh, a little bit. Uh, you know, George Mason, I expect to draw reasonably well. That's that's also a local game for them. True. Um, you know, and on the opposite side, you're, you're going to have St. Bonaventure and Davidson uh, ideally playing in a semifinal, which you would think would be a very difficult game for each team. Hmm. Uh, and you'd wonder how much they would have left playing a third game in three days against Rhode Island in the championship game. I, if I was the Rams... I would prefer to see St. Bonaventure for two reasons. The first is it would be a chance to pick up another quadrant one win and help your seed. The second would be that Davidson is a lot like the Rams last season. Now they're nowhere near the bubble. Rhodey was was close to being included as an at large, but Davidson needs to win the Atlantic Ten tournament to make the NCAAs. And if they're able to get past St. Bonaventure in the semifinals. Bob McKillop's pregame speech is made for him. He walks in the locker room and says, Okay, men, we're 40 minutes away from the NCAAs. We have to beat Rhode Island. That's our only avenue. Mm-hmm. What are you guys prepared to do? Uh, so I would be a, a little concerned playing Davidson from that standpoint. You would be playing against a team who's going out there with great desperation and, and really their postseason future on the line. Can the Bonnies do anything to not make the NCAA tournament? I really don't think so. Uh, you know, I, I think that they're in a similar position to URI. They, they have uh, a 21 RPI at the moment, uh, very strong metrics uh, in terms of their results base. They've, they've got some quality wins along the way. Uh, you know, they beat Syracuse, they beat Buffalo, um, they beat Maryland, they beat in Rhode Island. Uh, you know, I, I think that they're a lock for the field at this point, uh, and I'd be very, very surprised to not hear their name on Selection Sunday.
1: Now, who would they play in their first game? Uh, they play the winner of, uh, actually, don't bother. They, they, they play a game they should win. Uh, I'm going to make a prediction that if they lose that game, they'll be in the first four. Ooh. So, a hot, a scalding hot take from Kevin McMahon. Yeah, because uh, you just mentioned all their quality wins. Yeah. None of those teams are making the NCAA tournament unless Buffalo wins their league and unless Syracuse gets really fortunate against North Carolina. Uh, obviously, Rhode Island will be in the tournament.
0: Same Bonnie plays the winner of Richmond and Duquesne. They might want to win that game. They might want to. But they I might want to win that But game. I think they're okay.
1: I, I think they're I really okay, do. too. I put it this way. I'd have a hard time keeping them out. But their profile is is quite thin, and uh, I think those this should be one of those teams in the first four. And uh, you know, I have seen some bracketologies uh, of. The Bonneys seated seeded quite low,
0: so we'll see. They've got uh, three quadrant one wins, and, and like Providence, actually, uh, the results-based metrics favor them. The predictives do not. Yeah, uh,
1: We're, we're going to get on these predictive metrics before we sign off here, but sure. uh, St. Bonnie's quad one wins are against Buffalo, which again, Buffalo better win their league or they're not in the tournament. Syracuse, which is not in the tournament, and Rhode Island, which is you know, clearly in the tournament. Correct. Uh, that doesn't my heart doesn't skip a beat when it, when I look at that profile, um, you know, and predictive things. We'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, and then, um, well, we've talked about Davidson a little bit. They clearly have to win it. Yes. Uh, so Rhode Island. So uh, back to uh, Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. I'm say they win the Atlantic Ten tournament, cut down the nets, make a big deal. Great. Uh, as the favorites this year. Uh, the question is, is how high of a seed can they get by winning the A-10 tournament? Right. Uh, Their skid here at the end, losing two in a row, three of five, has clearly hurt them. Uh, I think they were a borderline four seed uh, a couple weeks ago. That was made pretty clear by the NCAA uh, when they announced their top 16 teams. Uh, But now sliding. The bracketologists, who, again, are literally nice guys, taking guesses, or shut-ins with no clue. (laughs) Those are the bracketologists That's who we're talking about here (laughs) If you majored in math in college Kevin McNamara is not a fan of yours No, no, no Math math geeks, that's what they call them, math geeks You know, guys who can actually read and write Those are the bright guys But anyways (laughs) um, Oh my god So the shut-ins Slash nice guys uh, Are currently pegging URI In the 8-9 game Right uh, so the question is, Is how low can they go if they lose early, and how high can they be if they win the A-10 tournament? Well, I mean, if you lose to VCU or
0: Dayton, you, you're going to do major damage to yourself. Uh, Dayton's 134 in the RPI, and VCU's 138. Uh, so you'd take a major, major hit, in my mind. Uh, you could sink as low as a 10 seed uh, if you were to lose that first game. That second game, you're playing against St. Joe's or, or George Mason. Um, George Mason is 202 nope. in the RPI. Nope. St. Joe's is 152. No, nope. So neither one of those really do you any big favors. Uh, if you play Davidson, uh, they're 81 in the RPI right now, so you're, you're kind of holding serve on a neutral court. It's a, a Quadrant two win. It doesn't really do you a whole lot of favors. Uh, St. Bonaventure is 21, and, and they would give you a, a little bit of a boost. I think if if you win three games and you win the A-10 tournament, you can probably get to the last six seed, depending on what else happens. I think more likely you'll max out at a seven. I I think what has happened is this last week, losing to St. Joe's and losing to Davidson, URI has done themselves a big disservice in terms of their comfort and their convenience in their first and second NCAA tournament games.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I I think if they don't if they get to the finals against St. Bonnie, I don't think they're going to move very much, uh, and are probably in that seven-eight range. Uh, if they were to win, I think they can't go any higher than a six. So right. I think we're talking six-seven-eight. I agree. And six-seven-eight means a very difficult first-round game. It means a team that looks very much like you. Correct. Where if you're a four, you know, th- then you're you're playing a maybe you're playing a Buffalo. You know, you're playing a 12 seed, a 13 seed. Uh, you'll certainly be favored in the game. I think there's a good chance that when you're a six 7, you're not even the favorite in the game. Because, again, the team can look very much like you. For, for example, he, here's a classic. A few Ram fans zigged me yesterday because I didn't vote the Rams in the top 25. Oh, please. But, you know, again, the top 25 doesn't matter to the committee. It's not even considered. Not and, at and, all. It, and it shouldn't be. Because, you know, I'm basically a shut-in and, you know, I vote for the top 25 like every other Voter around the country
0: Well, to, to put that In some perspective I mean, there was a month ago Where the URI fans Were jumping up and down and Yelling and screaming About how they weren't The last four seed Over Oklahoma How does that argument Look today? Yeah. Oklahoma slid almost Completely out of the tournament and, and anyone who thinks
1: That URI could be a four seed At this point is a fool Yeah, it's a snapshot in time But there's a team That wasn't ranked This week That very much Could be matched Opposite Rhode Island In a 6-11 game mm-hmm. they call called The Kentucky Wildcats hmm Who'd be favored in that game? Uh, Kentucky, no question. So... That's what we're saying. If the Rams are in that six, you know, the best they well, can just, be is a six. That
0: game just, is going to be tough. Just think back to last year. You or I was an 11 seed playing against Creighton, who was a six. And I know there were plenty of folks in their brackets locally and nationally who had the Rams winning that game, and they did. Mm-hmm. And they did it in some style. Uh, you know, the Blue Jays, aside from maybe the first few minutes of the second half, weren't really competitive in that game. It, it was a diminished version of Creighton. Uh, who did not have Maurice Watson and and who backslid down from maybe, you know, what I thought was a Final Four contender into a six seed. And you had Rhode Island who surged into the tournament as an 11. Mm -hmm. So
1: it's, you know, so much of this, aside from seedings, is matchups. Matchups, no question. uh, Matchups make games. Matchups make the tournament. And uh, Rhode Island is going to have a really tough first-round game. And anyone who thought that that wasn't going to be the case a month ago could have kept dreaming. Uh, But if you watch college basketball at all, and especially this year, there's not a lot of difference between most of the teams. Uh, Just look what happened last week. You know, Xavier is a potential one seed. They almost lost at DePaul. Virginia is the number one seed in the whole field, and they had to go to the last minute to win their regular season finale. Right. Right. And, uh, and lost lost to Virginia Tech by one, and lost down to Virginia Tech earlier. So, uh, you know, we'll get to the tournament obviously next year, next week when the uh, bracket comes out. But uh, Rhode Island is playing for a seed, but fans, it really doesn't matter whether they're a six, seven, or eight. It's going they're going to have a really tough first round game. Is basically what we're saying. And, and they're going to be in the tournament. Uh, clearly going to be in the tournament.
0: Don't don't worry about whether or not if they lose the first game. They are
1: in the NCAA tournament for the second straight year. Now, the flip side are the Providence College, Friars, uh, who are not in the tournament, uh, regardless of what some of their fans may think, uh, I think the Friars... That's, uh, that's a second scorching hot take oh, from sorry, Kevin Macklin Mac on this about podcast. That, uh, Friar fans, but um, my bracketology spin on the Friars is that they can go to New York and lose to Creighton and still get in the tournament, but don't be shocked if they're left out. At that point, they're going to need a little bit of help. Well, I don't know about help. It's just a question of when you weigh the Friars against some other teams around the country that look an awful lot like them from these big conferences. You know, the last couple spots are more than likely going to come from The Big East, the ACC, the Big 12, the SEC. Because there's an awful lot of candidates from those leagues. What I meant by help is you can't have a bid stealer in Uh, one of these lower leagues. No question.
0: And I'm looking specifically at the West Coast Conference. Gonzaga plays BYU in the final. BYU is not on anyone's NCAA radar, would not be in the tournament. If they beat Gonzaga, the West Coast Conference could end up being a three-bid league with Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and BYU. You're also looking at the Mm -hmm. A-10. I think URI and St. Bonaventure are both in the tournament. If Davidson or anyone else were to happen to win the A-10, That could
1: also squeeze the Friars out. And keep going. There's more leagues. I think the the Pac-12 is like that. Uh, Utah, for example, can win the Pac-12. Right now, there's really only one Pac-12 team that I think is in the field, no question. Arizona. Arizona. Arizona State is really sliding. I think Bobby Hurley better win his first game, or else they could be left out. Mm -hmm. And both UCLA and USC uh, are right there with the Friars. They're they're grouped in that same, uh, you know, okay, but... A lot of holes the, in the resume. The Big 12 has the same problem. Well, but I think the Big 12 has certainly six teams that you know are going to get in. Uh, I'd say if if Baylor or Oklahoma State were to win that tournament, that's different, but I don't think they can win that tournament. I mean, Kansas Kansas is Kansas. They just get blown out, I know, at, at Oklahoma State, but uh, there's an awful lot of candidates uh a, in the Big 12 ahead Who you would think Would win the tournament But
0: you're going to have Some strange Sort of feelings On Selection Sunday From some of those teams In the 5-7-8 to seven to eight range mm-hmm. Who are around 9-9 nine and nine in the Big 12 And have a lot of good wins But they also have A ton of losses
1: And you know will be on the bubble and, and feeling uncomfortable So I'm going to list A lot of teams That the Friar fans Should be rooting against And actually There's so many of them That you probably Never turn your TV off In the <laughs> next couple of days But uh, Louisville Syracuse Notre Dame, Kansas State, Baylor, Texas, as we said, UCLA, Southern Cal, and Arizona State out west, Alabama, Mississippi State, Marquette. Uh, th- there's so many that are really grouped in that right now in that last four in, yep. first four out, and you know it, it was actually a little disconcerting yesterday. I looked at the um, the uh, Canada the. Committee members, the NCAA committee members, there's 10 of them, Bill, and I know I texted this to you just for a chuckle. Yes. So there's 10 committee members, uh, I believe it's eight athletic directors and two conference commissioners. Okay. Um, one, played or coached, Division I men's college basketball. Okay. One. One out of 10. Are we back to inclusion here? I'm not quite sure how some of these people are on the committee, I'm sure they're Really into basketball. They're big fans. They watch a lot of games. They certainly know what a quad one win is. I don't know how they picked the committee. But uh, Bernard Muir is a great guy. Uh, I covered him when he was at Brown. He was a basketball player at Brown. Oh, really? Uh, good player. Mm-hmm. Uh, ended up being an athletic director at many schools, including Georgetown. He's now the AD at Stanford. Nice gig. Perfect guy to be on the committee. Uh, there's no former Division One head coaches. You, I guess you have to be an AD or a commissioner to be in, in this uh, in this group. So thankfully, they
0: they don't have the same criteria for selecting sports writers. Uh, well, well. You know, because me getting cut from the freshman baseball team at Pilgrim High School, I would not uh, be covering the Red Sox this summer. That's for
1: certain. <laughs> I understand. I understand. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> but uh, I bring that up only because. Who knows what's going through the minds of those 10 people, what they value the most. You know, you right. and I, we're going to wrap this up with a little bit on this predictive uh, predictive metrics. As opposed to results-based, yes. So a results-based metric is we see who wins and loses games, and we do our little math thing, and we come out with a list. Against their strength of schedule and who's in the field and, and all that and stuff. And the RPI is the most commonly... Uh, known of those, right? And then we have results-based metrics and predictive-based predictive-based predictive based metrics. Uh, yes. this is where my math ends. So, can you tell me what that is all about?
0: Uh, predictive-based metrics are, are basically they measure your efficiency, uh, and, and they try to measure you in a vacuum against uh, you know whoever you're playing against. Um, it sort of takes away the lack of opportunity that that teams would have in smaller conferences Mm -hmm. uh, who don't get the chance to play against top 50 opponents whether they be at home on the road so frequently Mm -hmm. Um, like you look at Providence right now they've played four five six eleven quadrant one games Mm -hmm. Uh, they're three and eight in those quadrant one games a team like St. Mary's, who's in the West Coast Conference, who is one behind Providence in the RPI, has played three Quadrant One games. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the West Coast has two against Gonzaga and a road game against BYU. They, they just haven't had the same opportunity
1: that Providence has had. So I'll say, and I, I am a big conference guy, always have been, always will be, those teams are the best teams. Just mm-hmm. look what happens in the tournament. They win all the games. Um so when I chart the efficiency on offense and defense of the Friars and Louisville, for example, sure, uh, they happen to be playing the best teams right. or really good teams more, way more often than a St. Mary's. St. Mary's offensive and defensive efficiencies are charted against teams that stink so or, or aren't even close to the top 50, 75, 100. Uh, not even under consideration for the tournament, so their stats obviously and efficiencies are going should be way better than Providence and Louisville, and that matters.
0: Yeah, to that point, uh, Providence, in terms of results-based average, they're forty-two point seven. St. Mary's results-based are forty-four. That's be- that's because they're twenty-seven and four. Pretty close. Predictive-based, Providence is 67. That takes an average of the BPI, Ken Palm, and the
1: Sagarin. St. Mary's is 28. That's a big difference. A huge difference. Huge difference. And, and, Friar fans, that is the reason why, if you don't get in the tournament, that's the reason why. This predictive-based metrics that, in theory, some of the 10 committee members think is real and counts— if, if they put a lot of weight into those metrics, you're not going to get in the tournament. And I, that's the reason why. And, and, and you also lost at UMass and DePaul at home. That's where and, I was going to And those are legit blemishes on the resume. And I know you're going to say, well, you know, Alpha was hurt and Kyron was throwing up and Rodney was... Them's the breaks. You had, you
0: had 11 Quadrant 1 games, which means you had 11 chances to get a big-time win. You only
1: won three of them. No question. And they'll say, well, you know, we beat the number two and three teams in the RPI, which if you do get in, that's why you're getting in. You beat Villanova and Xavier. So Providence has a very interesting resume. I'm sure they will be deeply discussed in the committee room in New York City by those 10 people. And I guess if you want to influence... Uh, the decision at all, Fryer fans, j- just slip notes under the door of, of, of the hotel and say, don't look at Ken Palm and this uh, Sagarin and BPI. J- just look at who you actually beat. If if you can beat two and three, why can't
0: you beat 45? Well, Alpha was hurt, and then uh, Kyron was add, add Butler? Maybe because you shot 12% in the second half? Okay. Okay, I'm not going to disagree with they that. They look
1: like a tournament team in those twenty minutes. Well, we'll see who ends up in the first four or in the uh, last eleven seed or the last ten seed, because that, if Providence gets in, that's where they're going to be, and uh, we can have this discussion next uh, Monday or Tuesday. You're expecting to go to Dayton? You really are. If Providence beats Creighton, they're I think, in. I think they're going to avoid Dayton and be in the field. I would be shocked <laughs> if, if Providence if anything else loses. And gets in the field, I'll be back at Dayton. you really think so I do. Wow' I'm I'm, I'm
0: a little higher on the friars than that I, I honestly think that that they're going to get a boost from the Big East being as good as it has been uh, and and I feel like they're they're relatively safe
1: here. I don't think losing to Creighton is a bad loss. It's not a bad loss, but um, we'll see. okay, that's it. It's time to catch planes, trains, and automobiles and get to the conference tournaments. Uh, Fans enjoy the games. This is the best time of the year. Have fun, and we'll be back next week to break down the NCAA tournament. Safe travels, Kevin.